Well, there's nothing like a Sunday paper, is there, to uh, keep you up to date with the scandal that's happening in the world today, if you, if you like that kind of thing, of course. Uh, so on the rare occasion that I get to read a Sunday paper, I stretch across all the scandalous headlines and perhaps help myself to the Sunday Times. Uh, it covers uh, what I call proper news, and it does help me look quite intellectual as I walk down the road with it uh, under my arm. And uh, it contains enough supplements in it to keep you going till about the middle of the week. So I think it's actually value for money, really. There we go. So imagine my surprise when I read this title in a supplement on one occasion. The other man, dot, 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 who nearly wrecked our marriage. And I thought, what is the Sunday Times coming to? You know. And I got completely the wrong end of the stick when I, saw this, uh, when I saw this sentence. The writer, who was a woman, went on to explain that her husband had employed a life coach to help him map out a brand new future. But the effect of this relationship between her husband and the life coach was devastating. And she went on to give her readers the full story. I, I won't bore you with it at the moment, but she, she sort of said, well, this is what happened, you know. Now, I wasn't really sure, if I'm honest, what a life coach uh, is or was, uh, but I was wiser by the time uh, I'd finished reading this article. And I understand it's an idea that's come across the pond, is that right? It's come over from America. Uh, and to have a life coach can actually be quite fashionable. I don't know if you've got a life coach. I haven't got one. Um, and the aim of the life coach uh, is to help their clients identify and achieve their dreams. Uh, I think it's quite a lucrative business, actually, from what I can understand by the hourly rate. Okay. And, and, and here's something else as well. You don't actually need to see your client face to face. Uh, your sessions can take place over the phone or you can FaceTime people or Skype them. So you don't even have to meet up with these people uh, who, who want to sort of turn the whole life around. So the idea is, okay, if you feel dissatisfied with your life, if you feel trapped or you feel unhappy in your job, then you can call in the services of a life coach and they'll help you sort it all out. Okay? They'll help you sort it out. And so coming back to this particular article that was in the Sunday Times, uh, as part of his life coaching, the writer's husband had to create him for himself a dream of what his perfect life would be like. And he'd talk it through with his coach. And once that was all done, then the next step is obvious, isn't it? And that was to set about achieving this perfect life, this dream. To make that dream a reality. And the writer went on to explain how the involvement of this life coach in her husband's life caused an awful lot of friction in their marriage. Because basically, this husband was spending more time with the life coach on, on the phone, FaceTiming and everything, uh, than he was with his own wife. But it got me wondering when I read this article, because there are many people in this world 
who are just like that husband. They're unhappy. They're dissatisfied with their lives. They feel trapped. But they also must believe that there's something more to life. There has to be a better way. So, are they more likely to call a life coach to help them sort out their lives than they are to come to church or to ask us as Christians, what makes the difference in your life? What is the answer? Because let's face it, people think we've got it sussed. We have the answer to life. And it also got me thinking about how does having a life coach rate against being a disciple? Well, on the face of it, the life coach must come out tops. Because remember, their aim is to help you identify and achieve your dreams. Let's just listen to these bold slogans that I came across on the internet. One is life coaching through film, and you see this reflected in the slogan. You are the producer, the director and editor of your life. You are the leading actor. Or there's this one. Never go back to your old ways of living. Ensure that you always reach your potential and get everything in life you want and deserve. Oh, that's impressive, isn't it? Very impressive. Working together, you can create for yourself a dream of what your perfect life would be. What does Jesus have to offer Peter, James, and John? I'll make you fishers of men. Is that why church attendance is declining? Because finally people have seen the light. Do I want to be a fisher of men or do I want to have a perfect life? Is there no contest there? Well, obviously I don't believe that for one minute. So let's look at this story uh, in Luke's Gospel a little bit more closely. When Jesus calls his first disciples... This was going to be no ordinary day in the life of those disciples. The fishermen got up, as they did every day, to go to work. But on this particular day, their lives were never going to be the same again, for them or for their families. Now, depending on which gospel you read, you will see that at most the disciples had been acquainted with Jesus before. At the very least, this would have been the first time they ever set eyes upon Jesus. But either way, the impact of Jesus' call was to have a life-changing effect on them. And unlike choosing a life coach to help them achieve the dreams of their life, their choice, their decision would lead them to the ultimate sacrifice of martyrdom for their faith. So let's set the scene of the story that Nana read to us. The crowd are eager to hear the word of God and they press in on Jesus as he stands by the lake of Gennesaret. 
Jesus saw two boats from which the fishermen had left on the shore while they washed their nets. Let's just hold the story there a moment. They washed their nets. This is a very important job as a fisherman. After each fishing trip, the equipment had to be checked. It had to be cleaned in readiness for the next trip. As they're doing this, Jesus gets into one of the boats, which belongs to Simon, and asks him to push it a little way from the shore. And Jesus sat down in this floating pulpit and begins to teach the people. When he'd finished teaching, Jesus suggested to Simon, Hey, Simon, let's go fishing. Simon's not impressed. Master, he says, we've worked all night. We haven't caught a thing. What tone of voice did he use? Well, we don't really know. But my guess is he wasn't particularly impressed. You see, nighttime is the best time for fishing, not daytime. Simon was a fisherman. He knew that. Basic stuff, really. Fishing was the job that he did day in and day out, or rather night in and night out. He knew the ideal time to fish. He ran a business, for goodness sake. And if they'd been out at the right time and not caught any fish, why on earth should they listen to a carpenter? Maybe the church still protests today in the same way that Simon did. We can be very busy and work very hard with the best of intentions and don't seem to get any return for our efforts. We've worked hard, we might say, and we've caught nothing. And Jesus tells us to do something in a different way. But we know what's best, don't we? And we argue that we've always done it that way. And we've got by before. And if that's our attitude, then maybe we can learn something from Simon in this story. Because this is what Simon says. Master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. And it's been suggested that there could have been a long pause before he continues. But if you say so, I will let down the nets. And so he acts on Jesus' suggestion. He may not agree with Jesus, but he can still obey. He may not agree with Jesus, but he can still obey. And his obedience brings results because they let down their nets. You know those nets, they've just been meticulously cleaning and they caught such a large number of fish that their nets were about to break. There were too many for the nets to hold. And the fishermen signaled to their partners in the other boats, and they too came up. In fact, both boats were so full of fish, they began to sink. 
this catch was abnormal. It was a miracle. And Simon recognized it as a miracle, and he reacted as someone in the presence of God. And he fell to his knees, and he told Jesus to leave him, and admitted that he was a sinful man. Simon had experienced the grace of God that drove him to realize his own sinfulness. This was a miracle in Simon's field of expertise. He knew fishing, and therefore he knew the significance of this great haul of fish. The extraordinary nature of that catch astonished the fishermen. But hey, this isn't the end. Because Luke moves on to something more important than this miracle. It is the sequel to the miracle. So first of all, Jesus reassures Simon, do not be afraid. How many times does Jesus say that? Do not be afraid. Because a turning point has been reached. From now on, things will be different for Simon. The nature of the new life to which Jesus is calling him is to catch men. Simon will no longer be concerned with fish, but with people. And the choice the disciples had to make when Jesus called them was clear then. Either they could respond and follow Jesus or reject his call and continue their lives catching fish. So when the fishing party got to land, they responded by leaving everything and followed Jesus. I find it quite remarkable that they left the greatest catch they had ever seen in their lives to follow Jesus. Because the catch was not as important as what it showed them about Jesus. And so they followed him and became disciples in the fullest sense of the word. I had my life-changing experience when I was 18 years old, when I gave my life to Christ. It wasn't spectacular. It doesn't make dramatic reading. It never made it into the Sunday papers that I spoke about earlier on. It didn't involve any fishing nets. But my life changed because of Jesus Christ. And I found the meaning of life and experienced the fulfillment that I believe only he can give. But because I'm a Christian doesn't mean to say that I get preferential treatment. I don't always get what I want in life, same as anybody else. But I know that I am forgiven. I know that I am loved. And you know, I don't want to attempt to create a perfect dream just for me. Because the reality is I, I actually don't know what's best for me. 
I thought I did, but everything just left me feeling empty. But now I trust that God knows what is best for me. It's not always easy, but if I'm honest, time always shows me that he knows best. So what about life coaches? Will I be having a life coach? Well, the answer is no. And I don't even have to think about it, actually. You see, I don't want someone who helps me to create dreams. What I actually need is someone who keeps his promises. You see, dreams change. That's the problem. And no matter what we achieve, we're never really satisfied. And I don't know about you, but I've never actually met anyone who has said to me that they have the perfect life. Maybe we don't have the perfect life this side of heaven. In fact, I'm not sure that Jesus ever promised us one. But what he does promise us is that he will be with us, sharing, strengthening, comforting in times of need, celebrating the good times in our lives and inviting us to become fishers of men. He encourages us not to offer expensive advice, but the free gift of life in all its fullness. Thanks be to God. Amen.